What's up, everybody? Uh, today on the podcast, we have a special podcast for you. It's, um, well, to, you said it best, Rosie. Why don't you say it? Oh, yeah. I was going to say that we touted and promised um, that this podcast was about, uh, what was it? Politics, the culture, culture, theology. and theology. Yeah. And we really haven't talked about politics that much. Like, it gets interspersed when we talk about stuff because it fits but we haven't been doing a lot of politics stuff yeah. so uh we felt like we should uh, we owe it to you guys to do some more politics stuff so in the next foreseeable future we're going to be trying to do a lot more politics yeah. <laughs> we're just gonna try we're gonna, to we're gonna do... sprinkle it in we're yeah, gonna sprinkle yeah. it in it's so, not if you don't like politics and you don't you're annoyed by that like then you can just skip those episodes. Oh, you shouldn't. But you shouldn't, but, no. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. Because um, we've got some great guests. Yeah, we got some great guests. Coming up down the road. Um, and today we have one. Yeah, know. yeah, exactly. But uh, what, what do you know, man? Did, oh, hey, uh, this is my, kind of... This is my favorite part of the podcast. You can't, you, can't I, miss it. That, that Let me let everyone in on the act. When I go, oh, yeah, I did know that. This is an act. I am waiting for you to tee it up for me. And Smoking that sticky, sticky green stuff. And that's why I play, because I think it's very funny. And I love that so much. So yes. anyway, did you know that there was, an, there was this order put out back in, the, back in the day in 1838, October 27th, hmm. was an executive order issued on that day by the governor of Missouri called Missouri... Uh, executive order 44 also known as the extermination order Ooh, yeah and it was issued uh after a battle between the mormons and the missouri state militia what and this was to basically uh i'll say it right here uh governor boggs who was the guy that issued it uh lilburn Boggs. Lilburn? Yeah. Sounds he, like a rap name. Lilburn? Yeah. Yo, was... yo, Lilburn. Smoking that sticky, sticky green stuff. <laughs> I love it so much. We even try to work it in. Uh, yeah, so uh, Governor Boggs directed that the Mormons must be treated as enemies Whoa. and must be exterminated or driven from the state if necessary for the public peace. Their outrages are beyond all description. Wow. So they banned and we're gonna go kill all these mormons and they did they drove them out of the state drove them out of missouri mm -hmm. so there you go did you know that i didn't even know that the mormons fought a war Dude, against the militia they were violent yeah well the yeah. whole reason they ended up in uh utah it's because everyone <laughs> kicked them out no yeah for real if you go to ohio uh that where they they started in ohio mm -hmm. and uh, right outside of cleveland and they have the very first ever mormon chapel or whatever yeah. you know there and temple yeah, it's more of like a chapel. It's like an old 1800s building. Oh, yeah, but yeah. um but they were driven out of there uh as heretics. Like Is that when uh Joseph Smith was shot? Was he shot in in Colorado? It, no. Or in uh That was Ohio. Ohio, but he was I think he was shot out west in before he died. He, they had already gotten out to the uh, west I was going I remember I had this Mormon friend in uh middle school as a tangent and he was telling me the story of it. Yeah. He was like Joseph Smith died in such a like crazy way he was he went down like a man apparently he got shot like six or seven times out of a window and then he yes. fell out of the window and they shot him a bunch more <laughs> <laughs> they're like we're making well, they shot him like six or seven times and pushed him out this window and shot him a bunch more Some more yeah yeah he was in jail they tried to break him out yeah. so he got arrested 
yeah. we should do an episode on the we, of that. We can talk about more in some yeah. time. Yeah, there's but a lot anyways, of it. Uh, but dude, you know what that is, right? Yes. This is our jam. Smoking that sticky sticky green stuff. <laughs> I'm just gonna mix it all up. That's our sign, man. Here it comes, right? Break it down now, break it down. It sounds long, but it's really not that long. Turn it up if you're in your car. Here we go. If they turn it, wait, if they turn it up, people around them might think they're getting a phone they're, they're, call. They're getting a phone call. <laughs> they might think they're getting a phone and call. And it's going to cause accidents. I know. Dude, that's the, that's the international song for, we have a, a guest that's calling in on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, our guest this week is none other than the extraordinary, uh, remarkable, and good friend of mine and yours, Cabot Phillips. Yep. So sit back. Grab a coffee and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. Well, hello, warriors. Welcome to another episode of All Out War. We have on the phone a very good friend of ours and a special guy. His name is Cabot Phillips. He is from uh, Campus Reform, and you can see him all the time on appearances on Fox News and all over the internet, and uh, he is just a great guy, and we're so glad to have him on this podcast. Cabot, welcome to All Out War, brother. I am glad to be on. Thanks so much for having me, my friend. (laughs) Man, uh, so you and I have a history. It's uh, no secret to some of the people listening to this that know me and know you. Uh, uh, we've, We've... been together as friends uh, for a long time because uh, you came through my youth group. That's how old I am. And uh... <laughs> and hearing hearing your voice now, I, I first heard it, I was right at the end of seventh grade. And for, for those of you listening that think Turner has a good podcasting voice, you should hear his singing voice. Because <laughs> I was, I'm not going to say I was subjected to it because that makes it sound like it wasn't good. But I had the, the privilege of listening to Turner, not just preach, but listen to him lead worship for about a year and a half in middle school. And it was, <laughs> it was a formative time for me, and it also <laughs> reminded me of um, why I you know, did not ever want to be a worship leader because I'd seen the bar set, I'd seen the bar set very high by Turner. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. so I am, I am forever indebted to you for that reason. But no, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I was very privileged there. To be in, in Turner's youth group in, in eighth grade, and it, yeah, it was that was those were good times. Yeah, uh, thanks, man. <laughs> I forgot that I led worship. <laughs> I, thought, I didn't. I, uh, I can promise you, I did not. I, I, I say I left some kind of mark on you. <laughs> oh man. Well, for our listeners that don't know you uh, or this about you, uh, there's something really awesome that happened in your life um, back when you know about three or four years ago. Uh, you were you did this amazing prank on your sister and she was getting her, her wisdom teeth out and you and your brother uh, pranked her that there was a zombie apocalypse happening. And uh, I mean, it was elaborate and you YouTube videoed all, you put it on, you videoed it and put it all on YouTube. And uh, I didn't know this, but uh, I just found out today, but evidently it was like 
your mom figured out there was like one in 12 people in the United States has seen this video. It's had that many views, like hundreds of millions of views. And uh, and it was the zombie apocalypse video of your sister, the prank. And you can go to YouTube and probably just type in zombie apocalypse prank, and it'll probably be the first thing that pops up. But that was your kind of introduction to the world <laughs> when, that, <laughs> when that happened. Dude, what was that like to experience just a, something to blow up virally like that? It was uh, it was crazy because... At the time, it was it was this real roller coaster of emotions. Um, at the time, I, I just finished working. I was working on Marco Rubio's presidential race in 2016. RIP to that campaign. <laughs> and I we had dropped out of the race, and so I was unemployed. And I was so down, and it's like, oh man, you know, I was out of a job for about two weeks. And uh, I found out my sister was getting her wisdom teeth out, and I had some time off. And I said, you know what, I'm just gonna go see my family. It'll cheer me up a little bit. And I found out that it coincided with her getting her, her surgery. And so, uh, yeah, I, I called up my brothers and dad, and we had a, a planning meeting. We just said, what can we do to her? She's, she's going to be completely out of it. And we didn't want to do the, the traditional wisdom teeth, you know, thing where you just, you know, mess around with them, ask them 20 questions and put them to bed. So we planned out this prank of the, the zombie apocalypse. So we had my... My buddy created a fake radio announcement uh, <laughs> that we could play through the aux cord in the car and... My uh, my brother and mom put boxes in our front yard, so it looked like we'd been loading our cars up. And we, it was it was there was a lot of stuff that went on behind the scenes you don't even see in the in the original uh, or in the final video. And yeah, I, I posted it on YouTube, um, thinking, oh, all of our family friends will like this, and it'll be fun to have. Uh, you know, everyone thinks Milton's funny that knows her, not thinking that anyone that didn't know her would think it was you know the greatest thing ever. And so I went to bed and I woke up and it had two and a half million views uh, overnight. <laughs> Goodness. And we had, all of us had, you know, a couple hundred messages in our inboxes from random people to show producers. And one of those people was the, the, the Ellen show, that, that producer. And so within, <laughs> within 15 or 16 hours of us posting it, we were all on a flight to Los Angeles uh, to go, to go film the Ellen show. And it was, just one of those things where, uh, I mean, I, I don't know what the American dream qualifies as. I don't think the American dream has anything about randomly creating a viral prank video on your sister and flying to L.A. for the Ellen show. But that was my American dream. <laughs> and so I, I got to live out that American dream. And no, it, it was really cool. Honestly, it, it was a really special thing for the family. We all got to travel around and, and do that. And also it was cool because we had this random platform and we all got the opportunity to, to you know, share the gospel with people and, mm -hmm. and talk about, you know, our faith and how it was important to us and, and all these people asking questions about, oh, you know, we can tell you guys are a close family or, you know, we can tell you guys are just kind of different. What is it? And getting to explain to people about, like, how Jesus is more important than some viral video and how, you know, that's ultimately, you know, what's important and not to get all like, oh, rain on the parade. But that was like the cool part of it. That honestly was <laughs> yeah. like looking looking back, that was the thing that um, – it just felt very purposeful and meaningful about the whole thing. Um, and now it's, it's a fun thing of getting to look back on, on how crazy that whole week was of all these. Um, we have like a running list. We kept of all the celebrities that had tweeted it. And my personal <laughs> favorite, Carrie Underwood posted the, the video and said that it was like the funniest thing she'd ever seen, which I'm no expert in dating, but I'm pretty sure that means that she wanted to go on a date with me. Yeah, and absolutely. We weren't able to work the logistics out. It was she's a busy person. I understand. We never worked the logistics out. 
but that was probably the highlight for me personally. Well, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> definitely code for I want to date you. Um, yeah. I, I think – isn't she married now and has, like, kids and stuff? Yeah. I, I later found out she was married to an NHL hockey player at the time <laughs> she tweeted that. And so, honestly, for me, it was more of a, listen, Kara, you can't be, you know, throwing yourself at me like this. You're a married woman. This isn't appropriate. So mm-hmm. that's exactly. why I, I pumped the brake on the whole thing. Uh, just because it didn't feel right, and I didn't want to get beat up by a hockey player. That was, that was another aspect of it as well. But it, it really was a cool, like looking back, it was a cool example of how there are certain things that are just universal for people. Like everyone loves messing with their siblings. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves zombies. Everyone loves wisdom teeth videos. And I think this was this was kind of like just a perfect storm of all of that. And so it was it was really cool though. Like the Ellen show was, it was all kind of a blur. But we got to meet Shaquille O'Neal. He was he was on the show uh, right be- right before us, I think. And so we got to meet him. Uh, I thought he was a security guard because he was like standing backstage <laughs> and just like the most massive human being I've ever seen. And um, at the time, I was not a Game of Thrones fan, but we got to meet Khaleesi from Game of Thrones. He was there, Ooh. and we got to go all around the the show, and obviously got to meet Ellen, and she was absolutely delightful. And I what I think the most common question I get asked now that I'm in politics. And I was already in politics at the time uh, with people asking, like, what, did Ellen know you were conservative? Like, because, mm. you know, she's pretty <laughs> progressive. She, she's liberal, right? Like, weren't you guys worried? And to be honest, I was a little worried at the time of like, oh, man, like I just worked for a Republican presidential candidate. My whole social media is, is I'm quite outspoken about my beliefs. And I yeah. was a little worried. And uh, right when we got to the studio, one of their producers came in and was really friendly and was just like, look. Uh, elephant in the room, you're very conservative. Ellen is maybe not as conservative, but just know this is not political. Like, this is just all about a fun family thing. Like, don't worry about uh, anything political coming up. Like, this is just all about having a good time. And so I thought that was a cool a cool thing of them to do to, yeah. you know, acknowledge it and, and realize that some things are bigger than politics. Not everything has to be political. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. That, that's that's actually pretty cool that she, did, that she had that kind of set up for you guys. Dude, I'm just like trying to wrap my head around waking up and having two million views on a YouTube video that you you had no clue. Like you, it wasn't like that was even part of the plan. <laughs> no, you, you know what I mean. Like you were thrust into this thing. Um, man, that's just so cool. And and I know your family. I know all of your family. And it did not change you guys. That's what's so cool about this thing. Like like I know that something like this could change a lot of people. And just. Um, like, well, I mean, like I, I heard a um, podcast with Dr. Phil and uh, on Joe Rogan recently, and he had, um, the, he, they were talking about the Cash Me Outside girl. Yeah. And that fame that she received, it did not help her. Like it just, it actually yeah. destroyed her. And, uh, you know, by Dr. Phil's admission and like your family, seeing your family have this whole thing kind of put on you, you didn't ask for it, but it happened. Um, you're the same. Like you are the same like you can i thought you were saying they're the same as (laughs) their family's a mess listen to this that's what this podcast is about we have an intervention right now cabot we need (laughs) i I am wearing airpods right now so if you could say it changed me in a way i am very bougie now i mean Uh, i i i I can't say it hasn't changed me at all but that was uh, for me as like a big brother with with my little sister millicent um most she was 17 at the time i can't think of a 17 year old girl that would have the opportunity to hmm. try and be, you know, a YouTube star, or travel around the country and not take it. And she really didn't like, 
the the day after uh or the, the night we filmed ellen actually um we got a call that day from good morning america and they're like can you guys come up to new york and be on the show and we're like you know I, i'm like i'm in sure like who wants to do it and and millicent was like i i don't know i mean i have like a chorus concert coming up and i you know it's my <laughs> she was like it's my senior year of high school i graduated in two months and i, I don't know i just i kind of want to just go hang out with my friends and, and like do my chorus concert and stuff and and I was like, that is the coolest thing ever that like what 17 year old girl would prioritize her friends and her like high school experience, you know, coming to an end as opposed to that. And even a week later, uh, the Steve Harvey show was like, Hey, can you guys come to Chicago and, and be on the show? And same thing. She's like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of worn out. Like this has been a crazy week. Like, let's just, let's just all hang out together. And, and that was like, the, I was just so proud of her as a, as a big brother to see my sister, um, not really it's not that she didn't care it's just her priorities were totally different like yeah. her priorities were you know not uh, trying to go be on every tv network and be as famous as possible um and i think that just that's so much about her as a person mm-hmm. um and so yeah i was i was just really proud of her through all that um and yeah it was it was a, just again it was a cool experience and um hopefully it, it brought people joy it's always like that's one of my favorite things is when i'll do a um an event or, or I'll get messages from people and, and it's like people saying how much they enjoyed that or how many times they watched it and made them laugh. And, and, uh, it's, it's nice knowing that like in the crazy political times, there's something like people can just enjoy for being fun and, and not have to worry about all that. Uh, and also my big takeaway from the question you just asked was the fact that you listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. That's like, um, <laughs> the least surprising thing ever. And I'm, I'm on the same boat. I'm, uh, I'm actually, I can't tell if you're going to try and be like a Joe Rogan, um, like character in this podcast. And I'm kind of hoping you are, um, minus, minus him, like asking everyone to do drugs, but I, I'm really yeah. getting on a tangent right here. This is, this is not good, but well, I'll, I'll just start cussing. <laughs> How's that? Yeah. <laughs> we'll be, just we'll start, bleep it out later, but, uh, yeah, just start doing, uh, just start talking about MMA all the time. But yeah. Anyways. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. Um, but let's talk a little bit about what you're doing now because you're working with Campus Reform, and uh, and you, I don't know like exactly what your role is there, but I see you on videos inter- interviewing people all the time, and I love it because like the most recent one that I watched that I loved so much was when you were you were talking about socialism with on campus, and you were asking these students if they would be willing if, first of all you said hey do you think it's right for people that make more money in the higher tax bracket should pay more taxes to help pay for other people and give more money if they make more money and they were like yeah of course of course and then and then you're like well what about with like on campus with your grades like someone with a lower grade you give them some of your grade point average <laughs> and they all <laughs> were like uh wait no no that's no, I worked hard for that. Why would I give that up? <laughs> and I just love that. So what how's that working out with you at Campus Reform and and what's it like with your experience on on campuses like that? Frustrating, man? I'm sure. Yeah, right? Yeah, the, so I'm basically my main role at Campus Reform. For those who don't know what we do at Campus Reform, uh our, we are an online watchdog, basically an online news publication, and our goal is to expose the overwhelming bias that there is on college campuses mm-hmm. and it's pretty hard to deny i don't think anyone on either side of the aisle denies that that colleges are overwhelmingly dominated by liberal ideologies um if you look at any study on professors administrators funding to liberal versus conservative groups there is an overwhelming political bias uh to those on the left and so we try and combat that and shine a light on on why that's wrong and why 
all Americans benefit when a university is doing a good job of providing just a marketplace of ideas where students can hear ideas, make up their minds for themselves, where they have their free speech rights protected, where different speakers and viewpoints are brought to campus so that people can have debates and they can hear things that maybe challenge them and make them uncomfortable. And so that's the, the main goal that we're trying to, to, um, to shine a light on the bias and the second off, just get people talking and thinking for themselves and not just, you know, gobbling up whatever they hear in the media or wherever they hear from professors, but like thinking critically. So that's a part of the video. So I've been on over hundred campuses now. And a big part of what I do is are these videos where I go out and interview students and um, try and get these light bulb moments uh, like the ones you described. And I think it's really easy to go out and, you know, quiz someone's on the complexity of the constitution or say, yeah. you know, <laughs> name the state capitals for all 50 states. It's like, ha ha, you can't do it. You must be an idiot. Like that's right. not the goal. Uh, Cause you could, you can do that for any segment of society and you can find enough dumb people and try and prove a point. And that's not the goal. Uh, our goal and my goal with our videos is to help lead people to a light bulb moment to help lead people to a conclusion and realize that, Hey, maybe I'm biased. Or maybe I uh, have been, you know, brainwashed into thinking a certain thing that just isn't true. Or maybe I have never really listened or thought about the other side of the aisle and how they think. And so that's that's a big part of what the videos do. And I I try and uh, it's one thing to try and convince someone that they should agree with you by debating them and by you know getting in their face and arguing with them, and that can be effective sometimes. But what I try and do is just ask questions and lead them to their own conclusion. Because I think it's more powerful for people when they feel like they're getting to a conclusion on their own. And that's what I try and do. So my, my favorite example of that, we did um, we did a video with the, the Republican tax plan where I asked them what they thought of the Republican yeah, tax yeah. plan back when they were passing it. And, of course, everyone said it was evil and they'd heard all about it and it was racist. <laughs> it was going to hurt poor people. So then I told them if, that, that Bernie Sanders had come out with his own plan. And I just read them the Republican tax plan and I told them it was Bernie Sanders' idea. And everyone loved it. And they said it was common sense and that like <laughs> this is a plan that I can get behind. This is what the Republicans should have done. And then I told them, well, I, you know, I, I've, I've been lying to you. This actually was the Republican plan. It's not Bernie's plan. And to see all these people say like, well, wait a second. That's not what I've heard about it. And say, <laughs> oh, I, I guess that actually does sound pretty good. Like maybe I need to look into it more. Uh, I think that's a you know powerful way to get people to, to kind of try and drop their preconceived biases that they have and just look at issues for issues. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's a big part of what I do. And the other part is going to these campuses and, and I'll go and do, uh, you know, speeches or debates, or whatever it is. I just finished up the last stop of our, our liberal privilege tour, <laughs> which was uh, kind of poking fun at this, the idea of everything being about privilege and, and reminding people that on a college campus, it's liberal students that actually have the most privilege. Mm -hmm. So that was a, a big, big speaking tour. We just wrapped up about 25 different campuses that I was on. So we have, we have uh, our work cut out for us, but um, I, I really love being in campus form, and uh, it's it's always rewarding seeing those those light bulb moments happen with students. Yeah, dude, that's a, that's amazing. I, I I love the whole concept of the way you're approaching it, and uh, and I I don't know anybody else that could step into that role. I mean, you have first of all, you're you're young enough that you're not going to be a, like if I walked in with my gray beard and all that, they would be like, who's this old dude? What <laughs> they automatically, like they'd automatically think I was just a nut job or whatever. But, but uh, you could get in there. And then when you start talking to them, like you connect very well, you're non-threatening and uh, just watching you the way that you, you conduct your interviews and all. And I'm sure that there's probably a handful that you get out of everyone. That's just like ridiculous and 
and people are ridiculous or whatever and you can't yeah. show it but like like on an average for instance like say you go in like that one question you were talking about there just a second ago like you might interview like what 20 30 people in an afternoon yeah yeah and and you might have like three that you can actually pull from out of that so honestly we'll so there's no guarantee that we're going to use a video that's actually a really common question i get asked or even sometimes people will accuse me of saying oh well you sat out there for eight hours and you, you found four interviews you could use and you made it seem like that's what everyone thought um we actually end up scrapping, I'd say probably twenty percent of the, the times we film. Wow. Um, we just end up not not publishing anything because either there was no consensus from the students. So you know, if I go to a campus and I'm asking a, a, a question about some hot button issue, and there's a complete fifty fifty breakdown of what students think, I'm not going to publish a video and say students think this. When right. in reality, when when in reality, half the students you know completely disagreed with that. And so um, with, with a good amount of the videos, you know, I, I'm not going to post it if there's not a clear consensus of what students think. Um, or basically what we'll do is if, you know, if 80% of students think one thing when I film, then I'll include most of their responses. And at the end, I'll include a few responses from the 20% of students just to show, hey, there were some dissenting opinions. But most of the time, there's a pretty overwhelming majority that have the same point of view. And so that's why, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to show that this is what most students saw on campus, the overwhelming majority, and this is what I'm going to show. Um, but, yeah, I, I try and, and include as many different students as possible. A lot of times what I'll do is at the end, I'll include two or three of the students that did give very, you know, well-thought-out answers, and, and they're kind of the voice of reason that I'll always include at the end, just to show people, hey, there, there were some people that had good good opinions that, that clearly thought this through. But, uh, yeah, we – I'm very careful about what we post because I'm not about to, to cut people's words out of context. I'm very proud. We've done probably almost a hundred videos now and I've never had to remove one because we've never, yeah. we've never taken anyone's words out of context. Um, you know, we've had plenty of people reach out and say, you know, take that video down. I don't like how I look or, you know, <laughs> right, that, that yeah. was, that's embarrassing. And, you know, I, you know, I understand that, that, that concept and uh, you know sometimes you, you feel for them but at the same time uh if i'm if you consent to an interview and i'm not taking anything you're saying out of context then you know it's you agree to the interview it's not it's not really my fault if you right. didn't yeah. like the end result of of you uh, maybe contradicting yourself a little bit uh but yeah we are i keep all the footage so that if anything comes down to it i can i can send this footage right back to them and say uh you know show show me where where i'm misrepresenting you because um, that's not how I operate. I'm not about to misrepresent anyone because that comes back to bite you. And there's plenty of people in this industry that do that. And it always ends up backfiring on them. So we, we try yeah. and give a, just a clear breakdown of what the students say. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I, reality can be harsh sometime, right? <laughs> yeah, it can. <laughs> man. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about something that's happening right now. Um, you know, I was on Twitter, I saw you on Twitter and, all this banning, this censoring that's happening on social media. And you're actually, I actually fall in line with what you said. I was thinking it before you even tweeted it. That yeah, I was defend, trying to defend you in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably a fruitless yeah. endeavor. Yeah, I know. sorry. <laughs> I tried. I, I, I think it's a sign of like just the mentality of so many people that they've lost the, the, they've lost the understanding of capitalism. Yeah. And and knowing that, you know, because 
and and I think there's some gray area in this in this debate about the the whole censoring thing too with with regards to the monopoly side of things like Absolutely. you know who you know because you got to consider some of that but but um you you had made a, a comment on Twitter basically after I think it was um uh, the Paul, inf- yeah what's his name Paul, P- Paul yeah Paul Joseph Watson. I don't know if we're PJW. Or PJW. Yeah. Well, our, we're not going to get banned for having yeah, on the right. podcast, <laughs> which yeah. is that whole thing just does make me angry when I think about it. Like you can't retweet or, or repost something on Facebook with him or from Infowars or what, regardless of what you think about Infowars. I mean, but um, you said in the in your in your tweet, you were basically saying, "Hey, look, man, this is capitalism. Like, like this is what drives economy. So like, we can." You don't like it, leave, create a new thing and move on and like let them suffer for their dumb choice. Yeah. You know, and that that was my main point. And I think a lot of people I I probably could have been a little bit more clear with what I was saying. A lot of people took it as me saying I have no problem with Facebook censoring people or I think that it's good for Twitter to censor people. That is not what I was saying. My folks who didn't see and I'm sure most people didn't see my 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 main point was. Um, just reminding people that, yes, it's incredibly hypocritical for Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, whoever, to censor people because of their political beliefs. Because if you're going to say we're a platform for free speech and then you're going to shut down people you don't like, then you're being hypocritical. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, I just want to caution anyone, especially conservatives, against going to the government for the solution to that problem. And I think it's important for us to remember that, hey – if you give the federal government the power to <laughs> mandate what someone can do with their platform or to say, hey, you know, you have to allow this person on your platform no matter what you think of them. That's a really scary power to give to the federal government. And so I, I think that it's a little short sighted. And again, I hate that I'm seeing people get banned. Most of the people that are getting banned, I don't agree with. Most of the people that are getting banned, I think, are uh, in many ways, uh, you know, over the top in, in many ways. Again. But I still think they should have the right to or, or I still think they should be allowed on Twitter and Facebook because of how the platform works. Yeah. But again, I think Facebook and Twitter should have the right to be hypocritical. Uh, and when it comes to Twitter, all these people saying, you know, you know, you're going to be next. And, and once they come for all the rest of us conservatives, it'll be too late because, you know, you guys have been right. silent. Guess what? Yeah. If, if Twitter starts banning conservatives in mass, there's going to be such a public backlash. that It's going to be horribly uh, you know, horrible new, a new cycle for them. It's going to be bad press. I think it's going to result in market forces coming into play. And mm-hmm. people are going to say, I'm going to stop going on Twitter. I'm going to deactivate my account or whatever, because I don't like how they're operating. And that's how a market works. Um, yeah. I think that a more effective thing, instead of telling the government to pass laws, a more effective thing, in my opinion, is to call it out when it happens, use your, uh, you know, purchasing power, use your market value, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, to try and influence these social media companies to to act in a manner that you like. But again, ultimately realizing that if you build a platform in America, I think you should have the right to allow whoever you want on it. And I, I asked people this, um, I was uh, three weeks ago, I was in uh, where was South Dakota State University, and I got in a pretty uh, animated discussion with a, a guy uh, after one of my speeches about this. And I just asked him, where's the line? Should Twitter be allowed to ban anyone? So should, should Twitter be allowed to ban ISIS? Should, should ISIS be allowed to have accounts on Twitter? I think most hmm. people would say no, and because Twitter you know, has the right to say we don't want ISIS on our account. And if you say that there's a line there, 
then it implies that Twitter should, there should be a line somewhere and that Twitter should get to decide where that line is. And so, again, I mean, I, I, as much as I don't like it, I think Twitter should have every right to decide where their own line is on who they do and don't want on their platform. And so, yeah, it, it's a complicated issue. And I, I totally understand that there's a, you know, Section 230C, I believe, is the one that people will bring up about, um, you know, antitrust laws and about uh, providing public access to platforms. If you're going to say your platform and you can't be a publisher versus an editor and all those things, I understand mm-hmm. it's a very yeah. complicated situation, but I'm always going to err on the side of, of trusting market forces, of trusting free individuals to make decisions for themselves freely and not having the government uh, get involved. So, uh, I understand that may, may not be super popular right now, but uh, I, again, I'm always going to err on the side of, of free markets and free people over government compulsion. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, I, I thought the exact same thing, just to kind of, I, I just, I didn't understand, and maybe we can get into this more, um, we were talking a little bit before uh, we got on the air, but it's kind of scary when, like, a tradi- and I think you even said something like, Hey, it's always been like a principle of conservatism that less government, like, you know, yeah. like this is what I saw. It was like, why are all these people that are saying they're concerned? Like, th- that's my thing. If, you know, if labels are so important now, like it's never been a basic, you know, Reagan, uh, his famous line, what do you say? Uh, the scariest words are, to, uh, we're from the government. The scari- we're here to help. We're, we're, we're here to help. So <laughs> I was like, why are all these conservatives saying we want more government into our lives. And, and I, I just wanted to flesh this out. And maybe like when I, you're talking about the totalitarian, you know, giving power to the government. Okay. So, you know, we have the FCC, which has their laws about broadcasting, like what you can and can't say on, uh, you know, daytime television versus premium cable because you're paying and therefore opting into, uh, you know, HBO's allowed to do whatever they want to do on HBO because you're paying for it and you're agreeing to their terms of what they show on their shows or whatever. You know, yeah. you can't you can't show that at you know 5 p.m. on ABC, the regular channel, or right? Whatever. Right. Um, so when the first thing I thought of is okay, if we're gonna get Facebook involved in who can and can't get banned, we would have to be able to turn over. They'd have to make it some government institution. Like the FCC, I don't know what is the the ICC, the Internet, whatever, whatever, and so it'd be more bureaucrats, and we'd have to give them in order for it to be fair, we'd have to give the government the ability to look at every single one of our posts, and then somehow make sure that that individual p- post is not being censored by Facebook itself. So you'd have to give more of your privacy away in order to have the <laughs> sheltering They've of already, the government to make yeah, sure it's they fair. They already have it all. <laughs> just ask Alexa. <laughs> right. But I mean, I just don't see how bringing, <laughs> like, that. when you think of, like, the scale of how, how can the government actually yeah. practically make it f- fair for everyone, Right. You'd, they'd have to look at every single post. You know, obviously, it'd be their own algorithms, which, therefore, if you, if you go into conspiracy th- theory land... Whichever government, you know, and I think I saw someone else say it like, you know, this seems really good now when Trump's in power and yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's, you know, MAGA and all this stuff, but he, we're not going to have a Republican, you know, from yeah. here on until the rest of right. the end of the, the Republic. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's, it's just very scary to think about 
So, but there, let's. I, there is a side of this though that is really troubling to me, and it's the it's these technocrats, and I I really do believe that there is some positioning that's happening. And they, obviously, they own the platform; they can do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. Like that's they have that legal right. But I do believe that it's suppressing and intentionally silencing influential voices that would, uh, in some way, influence so that they can get ahead of. The next election cycle. Yeah, it's all about voter suppression. Yeah, yeah. And, which that to me now now you're now you're getting into an area that's that's in my opinion that needs to be there needs to be something that can be uh, put in place or at least in a fine. I don't know. You know, like what do you do to fix that to stop that? Yeah, I, I think the, the a compelling argument I've heard, kind of like on a middle ground, is basically saying. That, okay, so you don't want government intervention saying that you have to allow, you know, everyone on your platform and, you know, we can agree on that. But basically saying that Twitter right now and Facebook are violating their terms of service um, across the board when they do a lot of these bans or when they ban people that never even violated their terms of service. Mm -hmm. And so some people saying, well, there should be government intervention because that in that case, you know, that is a company that is not abiding by the contract that you signed with them when you signed your terms of service. And so I could, I that I can see. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm not totally convinced, but I, I can understand how if a company is has breached their terms of service with you as a user, that maybe there's some sort of legal standing or some sort of um, area where it is up to the government to to step in and, and hold that company accountable and make sure they're not violating a contract and like a terms of service that you signed. Um, so that that's something that I could see maybe as a middle ground where either. Twitter needs to amend their terms of service to say we reserve the right to remove you from our platform for any reason, no matter what, at any time, or they need to start abiding by their, by their terms of service. Um, yeah. And maybe it would be the, the government making sure they're abiding by it. Um, but that I, that's a conversation I think we could have that's maybe a little bit more reasonable than saying uh, you have to allow everyone, you can't censor anyone, and because I think that's just not yeah. – uh, it's not feasible, and also I don't think it's compatible with conservatives. Well, you end up with like Gab, which has – you know, just unbelievably. Yeah, I was gonna say I've got poor, a... <laughs> bad stuff on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say even with uh, like my immediate thoughts of the, and just fleshing this out so maybe other people can think about it. My immediate thought is like, okay, so you get it would be a change for people. So say everyone that got suspended over something or the violation of the terms of service or whatever. And I'm not a lawyer by any means, so I'm just talking out my butt. <laughs> any lawyer can whatever say i'm talking out my butt um but i don't you know so if you get like a million people to all sign some sort of civil lawsuit to bring against you know something like that that could be powerful like a class action lawsuit. like a class action lawsuit <laughs> yeah. that might get their attention um but my immediate thought goes, which to, is capitalistic because it's actually hitting them in the pocketbook. Right. Yeah. Which, yeah. And it's, it's individuals been getting together for a common interest they have. Like that's, that's free market. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably the, in my opinion, that's the best, but the thing that is, is that you can't deny in this whole thing is that there is absolute bias on who they're, who they're choosing to ban. Yeah. Well, I was going to say one of the things is like, I, I kept, I don't know, maybe if I'm so jaded and just misanthropic uh, since being on tw Twitter, like <laughs> engaging with all these people, it's, uh, I don't know, it, uh, it, it's always funny to me when they're like, oh yeah, they banned these top conservatives. Why do they only ban top conservatives? Well, because they're leftists. Like these guys are radical. Like, it right. doesn't, like, didn't you, 
I, it always stuns me. I'm like, yeah, of course they're going to do that. Like, of course they're going to do that. Uh, I just dis have so much distrust for most of Silicon Valley and all that stuff. So I yeah. always, you know, <laughs> I always expect that I'm going to get shadow banned or, you know, suppressed on anything. And I don't know. But I was going to say this one interesting thing that uh, I wanted to throw out and see how you guys thought about this is I remember when the Cambridge Analytica stuff came out about Facebook and all these yeah. people were so up in arms posting on, fa you know, <laughs> ironically on Facebook about, hey, this is all how much privacy they're having and all this stuff. And I think Facebook's, you know, their stock prices went down a little bit. And then, you know, of course, any savvy investor would have bought the dip because <laughs> it's going to go. Yeah, exactly. It's going <laughs> to go back up, obviously. Um, yeah. And uh, but, it, you know, I would. I don't think they actually lost as many people as were angry about it. Like, I think if you looked at the number of posts that were all super pissed off about it, I, I doubt that anyone actually left the platform because their data that they care so much. You know, most people anyways that cared anything about privacy and their data don't have Facebook. <laughs> but uh, it's just, yeah. um, I was just going to say, I, I just think it's so funny and kind of hypocritical that everyone's using Twitter to yell at Twitter about that, but no one's actually, you know, putting their money where their mouth is. And I think people will be surprised if a mass exodus actually happened with Twitter and went behind one. I mean, that's the a power of capitalism. Yeah. If you get all they need is, you know, I mean, think about it. This is actually a prime opportunity for someone to, to, to do something really cool. Yeah. Like start a new platform in some way. And and even have it be like the conservatively leaning and conservatively run and conservatively biased, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> right? I mean, not that we need I, more I, division, but gee whiz. Yeah, I think of the and maybe this is a, a stretch, but I think of like the Montgomery bus boycott, where there was a, a segment of people that felt like they were being discriminated against because they were. Mm -hmm. there, there was, you know, industry. Well, obviously, it's a it's a not a perfect comparison. But the people of Montgomery banded together and said, we're the ones that are that are ultimately keeping this bus, uh, you know, running. We're the ones that are keeping this operation going because we're riding it and, you know, we're helping line their pockets. And if we really think like that there's a problem, which there was indisputably a problem, then we should stop using it and let's reform it because they're going to eventually need us to get back on to make money off of us. Yeah. And so through their boycott, the system was reformed and, and you know, the, the system had to be changed or else they were going to go out of business. And then people started riding the buses again. And that was a, a really, you know, powerful example of what can happen when people do organize and when people do stick to their guns and, and are willing to, you know, put their money where their mouth is and, and stop doing that. Again, not comparing in any way what happened in the civil right. rights movement yeah, yeah. to what's going on with Twitter. Again, right. that's yeah. not what I'm trying to say. But it's an example of what happens when people realize, hey, we have a problem with this system, but we're keeping the system afloat by paying into it. And so let's use our purchasing power and let's work together and, and organize something. And so uh, I, I think that's, that's one aspect to look at. And it's not just Twitter either. Like, I think people forget about YouTube also. I'm, in, yeah. I'm obviously pretty heavily involved in YouTube space, and, and I've seen the um, the examples of yeah. people being discriminated against and viewpoint discrimination and uh, firsthand and, and funny story for you guys here uh, about a year and a half ago YouTube invited 20 of us conservative uh, content creators up to their headquarters in, in New York 
And so it was me and, uh, you know, Steven Crowder was there and, and Michael Knowles and people from, I, they were, I think there were actually from the blaze there and, and maybe CRTV and mm-hmm. people from, you know, other conservative, you know, content uh, producers. And uh, there was this awesome moment. And so they gave mm-hmm. us this whole big spiel about how, you know, guys, we're not actually biased. You know, this is what we act. This is all we're doing. You know, we're not trying to shut your speech down. We're not liberal. All of us are kind of thinking, well, we know you're liberal, but all of us are a little bit scared because we're in the lion's den. We're in their headquarters. And so at the end, they roll out a few of their top execs and they have some of their, you know, their VPs in there and, and all these people basically saying, so here at the end of the day, let's all walk in peace together and understand like you guys, we're your friends. We are not your enemies. So it gets quiet. And they're like, does anybody have any questions? And the room's pretty quiet. I'm looking around. I'm like, this was pretty impressive, you know, this is a pretty impressive, uh, you know, showing by YouTube. This is pretty encouraging. I'm thinking, yeah, this is great. And Steven Crowder raises his hand and he's like, he stands up and he's like, yeah, this was complete crap. Uh, I mean, I don't believe a thing you guys just said. And he looks around and he's like, I hope no one in this room actually believes that you guys are being honest. And I'm like, Oh yeah, Steven, I'm with you the whole time. Like I, I never fell for it thinking like I actually was totally falling for this. And he just like told them off, basically saying, We all know you're biased. You guys are hypocrites because you claim that you don't suppress speech, but we all know you do. And until you guys actually make meaningful change, like I'm not gonna trust you. And just told them off. And you should have seen all these execs from YouTube just shifting in their seats and looking around hoping that someone else would give an answer to it. And none of them could give an answer. Because, again, they, they know it's true, but it's just, you know, they don't have enough of an incentive to, to, to change it yet. Uh, but it was a kind of a, a hero moment of, of Crowder against the world. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> so I don't know if he's ever told that story publicly. I hope he's okay with me telling that. But it was uh, I, a very cool moment of, of seeing someone uh, openly just stick it to the man right in their headquarters. Yeah, that is awesome. And I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I, I've definitely heard that story before, so I don't think he'll get into trouble. Okay, <laughs> so, good. All right. Yeah. As I was telling it, I'm like, oh, I hope that I hope that he's okay with people knowing. Then again, I'm sure it, it fits his brand of of being the yeah. man, and and yeah, that's speaking truth to power right there. So it was uh, it was a pretty cool thing to see firsthand. And then uh, we gave a little golf clap at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome. awesome, dude. It's cool that you got invited up to that. That's that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, it was. That's that's saying they, something, uh, man. Yeah, they they were. I mean, it was kind of like a kumbaya thing. I think they were trying to do of saying, "Look, we want to show all of you conservatives on YouTube that you know we care about you guys." And and uh, I, you know, I we've still experienced lots of stuff of you know our videos being demonetized mm, for yeah. no apparent reason. Or uh, one of our videos, I made a video on the Green New Deal where I asked people a couple months ago what they thought of the Green New Deal, and everyone's like, oh, it's great. We need it. It's going to save the world. That is you know, what we need. And then I just read them the Green New Deal, and everyone started freaking out, saying, this isn't the real plan, is it? I said, no, no, it is. And everyone's like, this is extreme. Like, it, we, we can't actually do this. Like, I love the environment, but this is, this is nuts. And it got, ended up getting a million and a half views in the first mm. uh, day and a half. And of course, there was nowhere near the trending page when there were videos that were trending with you right. know, 150,000 views. Uh, and I, I'm not enough upset about that. I was upset if you typed in the title of our video. It was the 12th video that came up. <laughs> it had a million. It had a million and a half views. And if you type in "students love Green New Deal" and still hearing what's in it, it was the 12th video. There were wow. 11 other videos ahead of it, and all of these videos had you know 50, 80, 120,000 views. 
And it was very frustrating to see that people couldn't even go find my video if they heard about it on the radio, that they'd have to scroll through trying to find this video that was clearly blowing up on, on their platform. So mm-hmm. when you see things like that, I guess it's very hard to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt this is clear censorship because they're very careful about how they operate it. Yep. Um, but anyone you know, logically can look at that and, and understand the, the, the reason they're doing it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just thinking right here, which is just so funny about um, – I don't want to backtrack a not at all, you know, a little bit, but I was thinking of, you know, man, the funny thing about if there was a conservative YouTube or anything like that or conservative Twitter or anything, we would, cause I was thinking it would be so nice if we like actively said, we don't want liberals and we'll, we'll ban liberals. And this is totally a uh, safe space and totally, uh, echo chamber, echo chamber and all that stuff. We <laughs> right. only, you know, we only want these people. Um, it probably wouldn't last very long. And the thing about conservatives is we like making money and we'll take your money, you know, so <laughs> we can make money. I, I, I just, and that's, what's so funny about conservatism is like, yeah, you can come here and talk if you want, because we, we want, you know, we care. We'll, we'll put up with whatever, you know, yeah. your crazy stuff you you're talking about. If, it makes us money, and that's the great thing. It doesn't. We don't discriminate against. Yeah, you know, and we get criticized for that because for whatever reason. But you know, two things that uh, that you said, Cabot, that really stuck out to me, and one of them is on the side of the public, and just how mm. ignorant they are to not only what really works and what their freedoms are, like you know, thinking about like just the whole idea of, of capitalism, how it works, and secondly, that they would want to be bailed out by a government or like. In some ways, like in my mind, I think this happening to conservatives right now is probably the best thing for our culture because if it were the other way around where it was a liberal government in place, you know, a liberal president, liberal whatever, administration, and uh, they were doing all this, they were experiencing these things, uh, they would look for the government. And then what they would do is they would end up with more regulations, more rules, and more less freedoms. So in some ways, it happening in the way that it is now, it's probably the best result that could come. Because the other thing that you said was they haven't felt it in in the market. Mm-hmm. So like YouTube hasn't felt it. Like if 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 it's true that sixty percent of our population is conservative or whatever or leans conservative, uh, and all of a sudden they start moving away from a platform, it's not going to take long to hit a make that make that uh, dip really quick in the stock, right? Um, yeah, you know, what I think would be really hilarious is somebody who has like a hundred thousand followers or something, and then they get, they get, uh, you know, censored. And then, uh, then all of a sudden they use that to their advantage when the stock goes down to buy, <laughs> buy <Yeah. laughs> when they've like, been banned I, I, from it. <laughs> James Woods, I, if he was smart, he should have done that. Yeah. He's he probably was, watching it every day. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but I think that's still, like, I'm interested to see, where do you see this? How do you see it playing out? Like, what, mm. what do you see? Like, if you could predict, like, what do you think, man? Cause you're more into this than I am. Yeah, I think that, again, there has to be an incentive for a corporation or a platform or a company to to change the way they operate. And we all know that incentive has to be financial. And so I don't, you know, some people might say I'm crazy on this. I don't think that they're going to start banning mainstream conservatives at a large level. Because, again, I think there would be, there's already such an outcry for people that, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people they've banned have been on the fringe, but they've banned some yeah. people that are, you know, like James Woods. I don't think James Woods is necessarily fringy. I'm not super well versed in, in what he said or done, but I, I mean, that's a 
not necessarily fringy guy. Mm-hmm. But I think that as they start to do that more, again, there's going to be even more of, a, of an outrage that comes along with that. And so, I, yeah, again, I think that if they continue to do it, they're going to realize that it's such bad publicity for them. But it can't just be bad publicity. It has to actually be a you know a downturn in the number of active users. It has to be a, a uptick in people de- deactivating their accounts or a slowing in the pace of you know how long people are on Twitter or how many new accounts are created. And I, I think that's what it's going to take. Um, and, and so it's it's tough because uh, you know I, I just think of if I were to create a platform tomorrow. And it blew up. And, you know, I made my own social media platform and it blew up and I made a bunch of money and all these people started to try to use it. And there were people using it that I didn't like. I would want the right to say, no, uh, I built this platform. I invested a lot of money to make this. I'm the one that took the risk to make this platform. I'm the one that had the skills and got Mm -hmm. the fundraising and whatever it was necessary. I put a lot on the line to make this platform. I should get to decide who's on it. And if the government came along and told me, hey, you know, I know you made this platform. I know you put in hours and hours of your time and millions of dollars to make this. But in the name of fairness, you, you have to allow these people on. I would be livid. And so I, I just think more people need to think of it that way of if they made their own business and, and how they would react if, if, you know, the same was done to them. Um, but, it, yeah, I, you know, I don't want to predict what's going to happen. But I just remind, ask people to think of, just recent history and how many times we've seen platforms that we thought were the be all end all or organizations that we thought were going to have endless power and how quickly they fell. And yeah. look at Nokia in the late nineties, they were mm-hmm. dominant in the, in the cell phone industry and other pa- platforms provided better services and, and Nokia fell off. There was talk at one point of breaking up Nokia because they were getting so powerful yeah. and naturally the market led to them falling off the map. MySpace was huge. MySpace was a thing. <laughs> and people said, you know what? We're not really big on MySpace anymore. Let's move on. There was AIM that obviously MySpace and AIM were not as big as, as Facebook is right now. But again, I, I think it's the, the idea that markets change and, and what people want changes. You know, I have a newsflash for you. Generation Z is not on Facebook right now. Yeah, uh, right. Facebook yeah. Just does not have an endless supply of new users. So they need to do more to keep the users they do have happy because it's not like they're going to continue to grow, you know, forever in time. And I think that as new generations come up and as new people start getting on social media, uh, there are always going to be new cool things that are going to take off and grow. And and I don't think that, you know, I, I trust the market a lot more than I trust government bureaucrats to decide <laughs> what's fair and what's not yeah. fair. And well, so again, you know, that's how, that's kind of how I sum it up. And and also too, like the bigger the the big unspoken thing is is that the people that are getting censored, it, they're mostly being affected because of their income. And so if you're building a income off of a platform that is volatile, you need to be prepared for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's one yeah. of, that's one of the downsides of it is that, you know, Hey, we're, you know, like if I'm going to build a, build a, a YouTube following and become a YouTube star, I have to realize that YouTube actually, <laughs> actually it goes through their hands before it gets to mine when it comes to the money. And if a rule changes or the platform changes or user term agreements changes in some way, it could dramatically affect me mm-hmm. as an income. You know, yeah, that... I guess the I, I guess the equivalent would be if, if I'm like a I don't know, if if I'm a, a fisherman and my, my sole income comes off of catching fish and selling them, but I'm using a boat that someone else owns and I'm completely dependent on, on that boat to make an income. That's that's dangerous because yes. all my income is reliant ultimately on someone else 
allowing me to the right to use what they want. And ultimately they should have the right to decide what's done with their boat. And again, it's probably not a perfect no, analogy that, or metaphor. No, that's, that's great. That's actually but really, really good. I, yeah. I think people need to realize that if your sole source of income is, is dependent on someone else allowing you the right to use their thing, well, you, you don't have a constitutional right to, to use their platform. And so, you know, that that's a dangerous thing to do. It's a dangerous game. And so uh, I do think that there is a, you know, I don't want to bash people um, or, or go after, you know, people that are that I don't agree with in the conservative movement. Um, but I, I do think that there's a certain element of this where people are a lot of what they're doing is for financial gain. And yeah. Yeah. Like, we have to be honest, there are a lot of grifters that are just going to say or do the craziest things because they know it'll get them attention. Yeah. And if they get banned then they can start to go fund me and make tens of thousands of dollars. And just because they're they're playing the victim card and they got banned and. I mean, you know, to each their own, I guess that's a free market also, but we, we also need to look at the, that uh, there is a lot of drifting going on in the movement right now, and I don't think that's something that we should necessarily be encouraging. Yeah, I, I was going to say kind of, I don't know if we want to get into it, but uh, not, obviously not naming any names, but it's been this thing, I don't know exactly what to call it, but I don't necessarily want to call it conservatism. But there's been this new uprising. Um, so I'll just say it for me. And I think we had said it before, <laughs> is that like, I'm not a uh, an always Trumper. I'm not a, neg- uh, a never Trumper. I'm when Trump does something good, I'm like, yeah, that's that's good. That's conservative. When he does something that's not conservative, I stay with what conservatism is like and say, OK, well, this isn't conservative. He should, you know, nobody should agree with the president all the time. And it seems yeah. like, I don't know, because Trump was such this weird candidate where he wasn't conservative up until 2016. And then it almost seemed like he was asking someone like, hey, uh, what's conservative on this thing? And someone's like, you should say this. And he's like, OK, I'm going to say this. Right. And then he would end up getting into trouble because he would wouldn't think it down the road when they're like, OK, but the implications of this, it's this or this. And he doesn't know yeah. what's the conservative, the end, you know, the next point in the argument. And so he'd say something where like, no, 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 that's not conservative. And so eventually, you know, with direction from a lot of really smart conservatives, they kind of put him in this way. But I was going to say, it seems like there's this new movement um, that don't really understand the principles that we're talking about. So when you say something like the answer to a free market problem is not more government, and you get attacked by it by people that say that they're, they're conservative. conservative. Oh, it's so it's, frustrating. It's very disconcerting to me because, you know, I what is the future of conservatism? And, you know, we have all these people that, like you said, grifters, and I know exactly what you're talking about, um, people that were just, con- you know, super liberal up until they walked into the ballot box and they voted for Trump, and now they're, uh, you know, super the next face of conservatism or whatever. Yeah. Um, but what do you think of the movement as a whole? And, uh, you know, I'll say, you know, I'm like a Barry Goldwater, you know, like old school conser- <laughs> conservative, you know, or- originalist. Um, I don't think I have many libertarian leanings anymore. <laughs> I've got a bit yeah. argued out of those. But I, it's this weird MAGA movement that... uh is embracing a lot of stuff that I think, and I'll just speak for myself, is kind of scary to see 
you know, to the, I think it's doing a disservice to what conservatism is. And yeah. real conservatism is getting kind of muddied. And I, I don't want to sound like some gatekeeper, or like I'm going to maybe get accused of being like a neocon, which isn't the fact, but you know, what do you, what do you see for the future of conservatism or? You know? Yeah, I think first off, I, the, the new kind of this new edgy side of conservatism it's not conservatism it's just it's just being a reactionary and uh, mm -hmm. like that's just just being a provocateur and just being a reactionary that, that doesn't mm. mean you're conservative yeah um you know like, like conservatism is at its root is conserving the constitutional values and principles that founded our country like conservatism is at its root not something that's morphing and evolving like that's mm -hmm. the whole point is that they are principles that don't change based on who's in power or right. based on you know what you don't like that's going on and one thing i try to remind myself is that there's a very very vocal minority on on social media and i don't think that brand of conservatism is as large as it feels mm -hmm. and i think that there are a lot of traditional conservatives that that are you know by the book that are kind of intimidated to, to speak out against some of the newer fringier sides of, of the movement because um you know because a lot of them think, well, maybe this is just what it means to be conservative now. And mm -hmm. I think it's a very vocal, very loud portion, but I do still think it's a minority of the movement, which is encouraging. Um, but it's also a challenge to people that are traditional conservatives that, you know, it's a challenge to them to stand up and say, hey, no, here's what our movement's about. Like, here's what we are. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I think the movement, if left unattended to, I, I think it's, there are problems because yeah. if all you have to go on is, I'm going to just be as whatever Trump says, I'm going to support it blindly. And no matter what, because oh. you know, that's what Trump said, or there is a propensity for a lot of young people to say a lot of young conservatives to say, I'm just going to do whatever I can to, to own the libs and to trigger as many people right. as possible. Yep. Yep. And so I'm just going to be at the complete opposite of what they want me to be. And many times that does lead them to embrace things that aren't actually conservative. And so I understand why there's a propensity to do that. And when I'm on campus, one of the, the main closing points of my speech I always say is support policies, don't support people. Like yeah. if your hero, if your hero is a politician, you need a new hero because, yeah. you know, politicians were never meant to be these heroes. They were just meant to be, they, they were meant to work for us and to support policies that, you know, are, embody our movement. And um, as many good things as President Trump is doing, you know, I'm a, I'm a also a, a usually Trumper yeah. where I, you know, 80, 90% of the things he's done, I applaud him for. Um, as much as I like that, he's going to be gone in, in at least six years. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think, you know, we need to realize that our movement's bigger than one person. And the whole point of principles is that they don't change over time. And so I think it's up to conservatives to, you know, to, to vocalize what they're for. It's not enough just to say what you're against. You actually have to say, yeah. hey, here's what we're actually for. Yeah. And to not fall into the trap of being a re reactionary conservative and, and, just reacting to what the left is doing and trying to trigger them as much as possible, not actually talking about what you're for or knowing why you believe what you do. Um, and so that, yeah, that's been something that's concerning to me. Um, but I do think again, that it's, it's more of a very loud vocal minority that makes themselves seem yeah. like they're a larger portion. There are certain issues though, that, that I have, you know, substantive policy disagreements on and that's fine. But the one that's been big for me lately is the idea of tariffs. Yeah. Uh, for as long as, as uh. I can remember, and if you read any any conservative writer of the last 200 years, tariffs are a, a tax on consumers. They're, I mean, they're a tax. 
Mm-hmm. And and we've been pro free trade as a movement, and I totally understand. There's a valid argument to be made of people saying, "Well, if other com- if other countries aren't abiding by a free market, it's up to us to you know put pressure on them through tariffs." But I, I would like to see other methods used, but before tariffs, because I, again, I think those are things that, for as long as I've been alive, which you know, maybe it's not that long, but as long as I've studied at least, tariffs have been universally considered not a conservative principle. Right. But now that they're now that they're being pushed as this idea of being you know you know, sticking to the man, sticking to China. Now we're all like, oh, wait a mm-hmm. second, tariffs are a good thing. And that's, that's an example of, I think, where you see the movement embracing things that aren't traditionally conservative, that that's something that concerns me because that's a, a complete policy 180. Yep. I was on Fox uh, earlier this well, Monday with the communications director for Harry Reid, the former communications director for Harry Reid. Oh, I'm sorry. And there was a panel, <laughs> there was a panel of, of three conservatives and Neil Cavuto and we're talking about these tariffs, and, and one of the people was a big Trump supporter, and they said, you know, how great these tariffs were. And they asked the, the Harry Reid guy, and, and Harry Reid's guy says, this is bad because, you know, this is going to ultimately make costs higher for consumers, and tariffs are basically taxes on the middle class. And I'm thinking, what world do we live in where Harry Reid's communications director right. is standing <laughs> up for free trade, and the, the quote-unquote Republican on the panel is talking about how great tariffs are? And I'm like, this is just an insane time we live in right now. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, it, you know, so that's again, that's the thing where you know, I'm not, I'm not saying you're not conservative if you think tariffs are a good idea. It's just a, it's a policy disagreement we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, it is interesting to see the the shift in how quickly people are willing to embrace, um, you know, certain ideas because a politician that they like proposes them, or because they think I'm going to embrace this not because it's necessarily conservative, but because it's it's going to really stick it to the left. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I think our, our movement needs to be more on principles and not just based on on reacting to what the other side's doing. Yeah, I was gonna say it, it just coincidentally since we haven't talked about this really much. Um, principles come from the Bible; they come from God. Uh, traditional right. concern, I was like, that's what we're conserving <laughs> is uh, you know the Judeo-Christian values. So uh, yeah, if anyone had yeah. any, you know, and, and so that's why I love what you're doing. Throw, that's why I love what you're in. doing with campus reform because you're you're really inspiring people or challenging people to actually think for yourself for a minute, do some research, read a book for God's sake. Mm -hmm. Does anyone even read anymore? Like uh, it's such a lost art and uh, our culture is going to suffer for that. Um, You mentioned Gen Z and I have two of them in my family, in my household, you know, I'm, I'm raising, you know, my two youngest are Gen Z and they, they don't have, they, they might have a, no, they don't have Facebook accounts at all. And they also don't, they are very conservative, and it's not just because we're a conservative family, which we are. You know, we're Christian, we're conservative, but they just are appalled by some of the things that they see that are happening. You know, um, I had lunch with my son today; he's 15, and we were. I was talking about um, this law that they passed in California about teaching sex ed to uh, elementary school kids with LGBT. Yeah, with the lean QI plus yeah. plus minus. And he he looked at me and he goes what like he literally was like puzzled by the fact that he goes and he, it's it's pretty sad when a 15 year old has more common sense than lawmakers that are adults you know that when he says why does yeah. why does a 10 year old need to know about sex ed regardless of what the topic is why do they need to know about it yeah. and i'm like yeah. well they have an agenda man they're trying to push something through and they're trying to get them young and and so i i think gen z is going to be a it's like a pendulum right it swings back and forth over generations it might be such a radical conservative swing 
uh, we might end up with 12 years of a, of a conservative presidency. I don't know, you know, because in three years he'll be voting age. Well, if they actually stick to conservatism, then. Right, right. Actual conservatism. My kids will, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm optimistic on Generation Z. Um, I, obviously, we're still waiting on data. I, I saw one poll um, basically saying, like, oh, Generation Z is set to become the most conservative yet. Mm-hmm. I, obviously, I mean, I'm cautiously wow. optimistic. I think we need, to, we need to see more polling data on that before we start, you know, making claims. But it, it makes sense from, from this standpoint. Young people traditionally find being countercultural to be yep. cool and to be, you know, the thing to do is be countercultural. And there really is nothing more countercultural than being conservative as a young person. Like that's right. about as countercultural as you can get. Yeah. And I do think that young people also hate the man telling them what to think. And when every single embodiment of the man, whether it's mainstream media, your professors, social media, whatever, is all telling you, you cannot be conservative, you can't support Trump, you can't be pro-life. I do think that it almost leads people to say, you know, wait a second, don't tell me what to think. Like, I can think for myself. And so that's one reason I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm hoping that that mindset will uh, manifest itself in the next generation. There are a few issues where I really am optimistic. I'm very optimistic on, on the issue of life. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, that the, you know, for all the talk of being the party of science, the Democrat Party has completely ignored the science on, on human development in the womb. Mm. And I'm optimistic that the more science we have, the more evidence and videos we have, the more um, you know stories we can tell about what's actually happening inside the womb, how it's not just a bundle of cells. Mm-hmm. I think the more people we're going to be able to win over, and I, I really do think that there's an opportunity to win the next generation over on the issue of being pro-life because we have one thing going for us, which is obviously you know being morally correct. That's a big thing there. <laughs> yeah. But also, you know, we have the evidence where if you actually pull people, it's a really interesting study where they ask people to define if they're pro-life or pro-choice. And it was a pretty even split, about 50-50. And then they said, okay, would you be, would you support like a heartbeat bill? And still a lot of people say no. And then if you ask, okay, you know, would you support banning abortion once a baby can feel pain? And people say, well, yeah, of course I would. And people have no idea how early a baby can start feeling pain. In many cases, three, two, three months in the womb, a baby can start feeling pain. They ask, mm-hmm. yeah. would you, do you think someone should be allowed to have an abortion when a baby has fingernails and can smile? And people say, oh, wow, that, 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 I mean, that's clearly a baby once they're smiling. So, yeah, an abortion should not be allowed. People have, again, have no idea how early in the development that actually happens. And so when you put it in terms that people understand, and once you actually show them images, should you be able to abort this baby right here, this image? And people say, no. I mean, look, I can see the eyes. That's a baby. And you say, okay, well, this is, this is three months long. This is two and a half months long. I think we can start to increasingly show people that, hey, you're probably more pro-life than you realize, and the left has created this narrative that you're anti-woman if you're pro-life, Yeah, and that's just absolutely absurd. And so I, I'm optimistic that we can win people over on that one, and also the left has gone so far extreme on the abortion issue um, that I do think it's going to backfire, and mm-hmm. the, you know, they in no way can try and claim that they are moderate or that they're pro-woman. There's nothing pro-woman about wanting to kill a human baby outside of the womb or inside the womb. That's just as barbaric. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think that people are going to, uh, you know, I'm hoping they'll wake up to see just how extreme the movement has become, where it's often no longer even saying, um, you know, abortion is something, you know, that, that we think should be safe, still allowed. But, yeah, safe, legal, and rare. And by, by first off, by using that idea, by saying it to be safe, legal, and rare, you're implying that there's something that's inherently wrong with it if you're saying it's right. rare. If 
if there's nothing wrong with it, why should it be rare? Right. If there's nothing wrong with an abortion, you're admitting it should be safe, legal, and rare. Why rare? If there's nothing wrong with it, have it all the time if you want. Make it as easy as possible. And so that's something that I think is completely hypocritical. But but again, I, I do think that they've gone so far extreme that I, I think there's going to be some um, you know likelihood of it backfiring. And I, I'm optimistic about Generation Z. Hmm. Um, and it's, you know I get obviously I get fired up about the the, the life issue, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic. Well, that's a good thing to get fired up for, man. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say, I don't know if you went to the March for Life this year, but I went there. I did, yeah. Yeah, there was so – I can't believe I didn't see you there. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, there was so many young people. Like there's busloads. I got there kind of early and just busloads of like – I would well, – I'm old enough to say, I don't know how old that kid is. Like he could be <laughs> 11. He, I think, yeah. I think it's creepy if I was like, that's a 14 year old boy. Like I know. <laughs> what, yeah. yeah. So they're high school age kids and there's so many of them and there it, it's, yeah. Just like you were saying, there's, you know, and the media won't show that there's half a million people and 60% of them are women or, you know, right. Young women yeah. or millennials, yeah. millennials, yeah. you know, uh, minorities you know it's just it's there's a lot to be hopeful for i think there's i'll tell you there's been a generation of praying warriors asking god to please bring an end to this and and uh maybe maybe our prayers will be answered through that generation you know coming up but uh dude that's definitely uh those man you are I, I love man having you on this is i'm like fired up right now that some of the things good time man everything you're saying though is just like really inspiring me uh so much because when when you're talking about like returning back to our values returning you know what is pure conservatism and why it's so important and um you know and then just talking about the future the possibility of generation you know coming through and the, those things like the pro-life thing I had thought about that before, but I didn't. I didn't think of it in those terms. That that just really excites me, um, the possibility of that happening. And it, yeah. you know, honestly, man, it, it, the possibility of 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 the administration right now be having more opportunities to put in justices that would be able to help bring that to pass, because um, that's the yeah. real big hurdle for it. I was gonna say, I think Tennessee just passed uh, heartbeat bill. Did they? Yeah. Yeah. This week. So what is it? Is the heartbeat uh, like? Don't they say it's like twelve weeks? Is it before they can detect a heartbeat? It, it can actually be six weeks. Six weeks. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's... so I know Georgia passed one this week, also oh, at six weeks. I think that's what I meant. Yeah, praise the Lord. Okay, that's yeah, so great, one of those man. Other states. Yeah, but yeah, so, yeah. Georgia, Georgia passed one this week, um, and of course, uh, you know, people are saying it's just the most anti-woman law that's ever been passed. Which is, of course, um, kind of ironic because there was, you know. A, time when women couldn't vote so it's, i don't know how this is the most anti-woman law ever um well, what about, allowing allowing hundreds of thousands of young women to have a chance to live i don't know how that's anti-woman right exactly um, but yeah so that that law was passed recently um and again again i i i think it's important for us to, to call these things out when we see them and one of the the saddest things that that saddest messages i get are when i'll speak out about you know pro-life stuff or i'll post a video on instagram talking about why i'm pro-life um, and I'll get messages from people that say, Hey, I love what you're saying, man. This is awesome. Really wish I could speak out, but I just, I try not to get political mm-hmm. and it breaks my heart. Cause it's not a political issue. Like no. if, if we truly believe that a baby in the womb is fearfully and wonderfully made and that a baby in the womb has every right 
that we have outside the womb. If we truly believe that that's an individual life that's being ended, and we are saying, I don't want to speak up for that person because I'm worried that I might lose a couple friends or I might lose some Facebook friends or Twitter followers. I think that's something we need to look in the mirror on ourselves on and and think about where our priorities are. Yeah. If if we're prioritizing social acceptance over speaking out for the lives of people that can't speak up for themselves, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And and again, you know, I don't want to shame anyone that doesn't have the courage to speak up, but I would just challenge people, you know, that, that might be listening, thinking, you know, ah, that whole pro life thing, it's not really for me. I'll let other people do that. Um, if you really think that that's an unborn baby and that's a unique individual which it is mm-hmm. if you really think that and you don't speak up because you're worried about what people might say um you know just just look at your priorities i, I would just you know ask those people to think about it and, and not just think of what's going to happen if you do speak up but but think what's going to happen if you don't speak up and and think of how many people you're missing the opportunity to reach and how many lives that you can be impacting by speaking out um and, and yeah that's something i always challenge people on and even like these colleges when i'm going to campuses and and speaking to all these students all across the political spectrum, I always challenge the conservative students. I say, look, if you're a liberal student on campus, you have the privilege that you don't have to speak up. Mm-hmm. If you don't speak up and you're a young person that's liberal, someone else will do it for you. Yeah. Your professor is going to speak up. Your teacher in high school is going to do it. The media is going to do it. People will see it in movies. Mm-hmm. If you're a young liberal and you don't speak up, someone will do it for you. If you're a young conservative, you don't have that privilege. Like if you're a young conservative and you don't speak up in class or you don't respond to something your teacher says or you don't try and actively, you know, bring your message to other students on your campus, there's no guarantee that those ideas will ever get out there. And so I always tell people that you don't just have the right to speak up. You have an obligation to do so. Mm-hmm. And you have, you know, you, you owe it to your philosophy. You owe it to your theology. You owe it to your worldview to learn how to win, to learn how to share those ideas. And again, I think it, it just comes down to every person needs to do a, a heart check and a gut check and decide where their priorities are, um, you know, and decide if it's worth it for them to speak up. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, I hate to keep hogging this, but I was thinking just as an as an example for someone, uh, if we if you truly believe that, you know, from conception uh, and, you know, you don't want to speak up because, you know, uh, it's the law or whatever like that um if if the law was you could kill a baby up until two years old and there's people there's a building that was run by the government um that you could go take your one-year-old your 18 month old and you're like ah you know i don't sleep a lot you know this is uh, i had to change so many diapers or whatever you know it's not what i thought parenthood wasn't what i thought and you could go take it to a place and they would just kill the baby for you we would be up in arms literally armed i i think people would be rising to the occasion like we need to shut this down i don't care if the cops come like let them come they're literally yeah. killing they're killing two-year-olds in here i don't care if it's the law this isn't right and i think yeah. when you realize that there is no difference between in utero, in utero yeah versus, yeah you know there's no personhood that comes with leaving the birth canal well. and there's you know, there's no difference between it's the same life, you know, hopefully maybe, you know, that analogy will get you fired up. This is very, the most, you know, well, the, the, it's I, important. I, I mean, I resonate with what you're saying, but also resonate with what you're saying, Cabot, about you got to look in the mirror because 
when I look at the opposition, whenever someone does speak out, um, like um, there's this, you know, this whole incident that happened this week with the the guy from Pennsylvania, the representative from Pennsylvania, and he, those yeah. those girls and that woman were praying, and he mm. tried to dox them, and then you know just criticize them, and then now in response to that, I think Matt Walsh actually set it up yeah. just on a tweet, and it was like they're going to have a rally up there mm-hmm. this weekend or or this week or sometime. Yeah, and, right on. Um, one of the ladies that said I'm there and she was actually, you go to her Twitter profile and she just got so much hate. Like, like literally like they were threatening her. They're like, if you step foot in our town, we're going to, we're going to hunt you down. I mean, literally it was like legitimate physical threats. And, uh, I went to her Twitter profile. I'm like, who is this lady? Why is she getting so much like vitriol? All of a sudden she was a, a she was a Planned Parenthood and uh, worker that, uh, that became pro-life. And wow. um, I think she may have got become a Christian and wow. she's going to be there. And she was basically like, bring it. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, yeah. and so my thing is, is that like when you see that type of a response, when you stand up for pro, like the anti, you know, the, the pro death movement, mm-hmm. you know, which is basically what it is. Not basically. Well, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Is so angry that they will not accept any other alternative. And you're going to have to match that at some level. We cannot back down. And I don't, I'm not talking about use physical violence or anything like that. What I'm saying, though, is do not be afraid. you yeah. got to stand for those that cannot stand for themselves. You have mm-hmm. to. And yeah. like we have a moral obligation to this. And I don't want to look God in the eyes for my generation and say, he say, yeah, I gave you an opportunity. I gave you a platform. You never even, you never even spoke up for them. Mm-hmm. I don't want yeah. to look God in the eyes and give an account for that. You know, and we yeah. will, we will. I mean, I'm not trying to come down heavy on people, obviously, um, but there is a level of this that we we just can't stand for death like this. We have to, yeah. and hopefully, this is the tide is turning, and um, it's been a long time coming. Trust me, I can remember in the '80s, you know, the early '80s, um, I actually stood out in front of an abortion clinic with people praying and. Man, even then, people would drive by and throw stuff at us, you know, throw like sodas at us and wow. just curse at us. And we just sang songs and prayed and held hands. <laughs> we were basically blocking the entrance. You could block the entrance yeah, yeah. back then. You can't do that now. But, yeah. but, uh, and I was yeah. with, uh, I was with this amazing woman named Melody Green. She was Keith Green's wife. Um, wow. Keith Green's a, a big, you, you, one of the original Christian musicians back mm-hmm. in the day. That's yeah. probably that's oh, probably yeah. why I started leading worship. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, you're doing your own Keith Green. It you thought it sounded like Keith Green, but it really sounded like little Nickelback up there. There you go, baby. <laughs> that's me, Nickelback. <laughs> Don't hate on Nickelback. Uh, oh, I won't. But uh, it kind of in closing, what you were yeah. saying about the 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 threats that come for that. I I always tell people the. The worst thing to do when when someone makes that threat, when someone someone calls you those names, and someone threatens you and says they're gonna, you know, force you to be quiet, one of the worst things you can do is to to be quiet, right? Because basically what you're doing is you're showing them, hey, all I have to do to get these conservatives to shut up is just call them a few names, make a few threats, and then they shut up, and you're incentivizing them to do that in the future, and basically you're teaching them. All I have to do to get these people away is to just call them these names and basically make these ridiculous veiled threats. And that's a powerful thing when you when you back down, mm-hmm. you're going to, to make that more common in the future. And so that's what I tell people in, in, on campus all the time. Like, uh, you know, if you don't want someone to keep calling you names, then don't stop what you're doing or is it when they do. Like yeah. you're, you're basically teaching them, hey, 
it's an effective method. All I have to do is make a few threats, call them a few names, and, and they call today. They quit. Yeah. And we can't let that be something that, that shuts us up. We can't be, you know, concerned with that um, enough to where, you know, we don't stand up for what's right because we're afraid of that. Yeah. And even if you get punched, like some of your your co your colleagues <laughs> were, who you work with, uh, yeah, don't back really down. Punched. He did. Yeah. He got, that was amazing. That was, whew. yeah. But uh, dude, this has been awesome. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, and you guys are you guys are awesome. I appreciate this. Man, well, look, we owe you a million thanks, and we appreciate you taking the hour to be with us. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing what what comes down the road for you. Um, I'm kind of hoping that maybe we'll we'll see a uh, presidential run at some point in your life. <laughs> <laughs> I I hate politicians too much. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't say, say I hate politicians. I you know I I'm uh, you know not not necessarily something I'm planning on, but I, I just. You know, I'm really happy with that. Sounds him to be in just, the movement and, and do whatever we can. That's the right answer. I was going to say that sounds like just the guy that I would vote for. <laughs> well, if okay. you do, yeah, if you do run, you got my vote. You know that. So I, I, I can tell on you. I appreciate that. Well, I, uh, this was great, guys, and uh, I love what you're doing. Keep up the war, not just the war. Keep up the all-out war. <laughs> well, thank- I, love- <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Cabot. We love you, man. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to know more, you can visit us on the web at alloutwar.us or you can find us on Twitter at alloutwarcast. Hey, thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.